you have your Bible, if you want to turn, uh, we'll, get, we'll get going in, in Job. And uh, this is a story that I'm sure a lot of you have heard through the, through the years. If you've been any, uh, in a church any amount of time, I know you've heard it. Um, I used to always joke around. I was in church before I was even born, and uh, I've heard this story a bunch, but it, it means something different whenever you go through something in life. And I've heard a lot of messages, and you sit there, and you, yeah, I've heard about God's love, and I've heard about this, and I've heard about that, and I've heard it, and until it applies to you, it brings on a, a whole new meaning once something applies to you, right? And so this story of Job, we all know the story of Job, that Job was a man that feared God, that, that loved the Lord, that lived a, a great life according to the Bible, and yet he went through some of the hardest times uh, that you can go through. Um, and we'll get into that. And so this, this story is very interesting to me. And there's a key piece of scripture here that we're going to get to. Um, and so I want to read. So if you're in Job, Job chapter number one, just this first verse, verse says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And so uh, this whole story of Job is just very fascinating to me. Um, I, I was kind of bumping around on things to speak of, and you can talk about this scripture, but uh, this whole title of this is, What Do You See? And when we get in certain uh, situations, circumstances, things happen, sometimes we're blinded to what's going on. Um, sometimes things happen in life, and there's things, and you look at this story, and how many of you have ever experienced something, and you didn't know that it was like really good until you experienced it. Raise your hand. Uh, prime example. Anybody in here like, like Ruth Chris steak? Anybody like that place? Some garlic cheese, mashed potatoes, homemade mac and cheese, butter, sweet tea, you name it, cheesecake, right? Y'all hungry yet? I am. It's good. I won't be able to sing another song if we eat that. And uh, they could tell you, I could sit up here and tell you about how great it is. Filet mignon, medium rare, a little bit of pink. It's a good biscuit. Unbelievable. But you wouldn't know how good it is unless you've had it. Right? Take whatever your favorite thing is that you've experienced. (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Waffle fries. Chick-fil-A sauce. Delicious. A milkshake. It's unbelievable. But you go tell that to someone who's never had it or experienced it, that's been eating whatever, McDonald's, <laughs> they've never entered the gloriousness of Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and so you're just talking about something that, that doesn't make sense, but once you've seen it, once it's been real in your life, once you've experienced it, it brings on a whole new meaning. You can be in church every Sunday, you can be here and listen to Pastor Tony and Chris and Dave and hear the preaching of a certain sermon and it doesn't apply to you in that moment, but when it applies to you, now it brings on a whole new meaning, right? And so we're here and we're reading this story of Job and we see here that life is full of surprises. Y'all have heard this a million times, but 2020 was just something. I mean, that thing can go jump off a bridge. It was a horrible year. Kayla and I went into 2020. 2020 is going to be a great year. I'm turning 30, ready to rock, ready to go. 2020, we're excited, man, let's go. 
And 2020 threw us a curveball. For a lot of you, I've kept up with a lot of you and your stories and loved ones that have been lost and things that have happened and life circumstances and all these things. And life is full of surprises, how we handle what we didn't see coming. God and life are full of surprises. And so we see that in this scripture. We look at Job here, and this whole thing is how to manage these surprise seasons in our life. So if you flip over real fast to Job 42, I want to read this with you. It should be on the screen as well. But Job 42, 1 through 5, we see this here. And this is uh, the biggest part that I want you guys to see, and this is where we're going to go. Into the verse, uh, chapter, it says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is thee that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered and understood not things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. Verse 5, and this is where we're going to be. I have heard of thee. By hearing of the ear. But now, my eye seeth. My eye sees. See, you can hear about all these great things, and you can hear about how wonderful it is in the state of Florida, and you can hear about all these great things in the beaches, in the mountains, and everything, but until you see it with your eye, you don't know what it is. The beauty. We have some friends that just went to Montana a few months ago and they posted pictures. And you look at the pictures, and these pictures are beautiful. And they say, What? It's even better in person. It's even better when you experience it. And so here, when we're looking at this scripture, we see that God, Job is going to experience God. Life is often lived forward, but it's only understood backwards. How many of you have done something before and something happens or your car breaks down? You're like, I wish I would have just stayed home. Well, yeah, if you would have known your car was going to break down, you would have never left. You know, you would have stayed there. And so life is understood this way. And we realize things this way. And so just because something in our life doesn't make sense right now doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense. It just may mean that you're in a a space or place in your life right now where God has to make sense out of it. And so 2020 starts, we get going, and and, uh, man, I remember the day we, we went and we found out we were having Baker, and we were going to the hospital, and we were going through all these checkpoints, and we were going through all these things, and all these checkups, and the doctor said, your son's heart isn't forming correctly. What does that mean? You know, I don't know anything about cardiology. I don't know. I'm going to throw out some big words. I am not that smart, but I've been in the hospital. Listen, I've only watched a few seasons of Chicago Med. I don't know what's going on. I have no clue what's happening with this. I don't know anything, right? And so we see these things, and, and, and we're, we're, we're in the hospital for this time, and, and all these things that say, your son, eventually, he's going to need a heart transplant. Well, what does, what does that mean? And in that space, in that time, right then, I didn't know what that story meant. I didn't know what our life was going to look like. I didn't know how those things were going to go. And at that point in my life, nothing made sense. God, if anybody's going to love a baby, it's this woman and my family. If anybody's going to take care of a baby, you know it's going to be us. God, if anybody's going to love that kid and raise that kid right, maybe with me it's questionable. If anybody's going to love that kid and give them what they need and, and, and do those things, it's going to be us. So God, why are you doing this? 
And in that place and in that space and time, it didn't make sense. Nothing made sense. When a doctor looks at you across the table and says your loved one's going to die, that they only have a certain amount of time to live, or when they tell you you have some illness, nothing makes sense in that time. And so here we see this story where nothing is making sense of what's going on. Things in our past that we didn't understand then, that we didn't value then, that, we, that, that felt damaging then, that didn't make sense. When we look back on them, you understand, okay, now that's why we are here. You see the story of Joseph. We all know that story. Growing up in church, flannel board right there, colorful jacket. Know what I'm talking about? Joseph. What happened to Joseph? His brothers sold him into slavery. They threw him in a pit. He got thrown in prison. All the while looking at God and wondering, God, why, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me right now? What did I do to deserve this? What did I do to, to get this? And, and we see later on, we'll skip a, a little bit and I'll kind of just bump through, but you see that Joseph was, was one of the main ones in charge. Yeah. That God used his life greatly. And so you look at the beginning of that story and you're like, this makes no sense, God. God, why do you have me in this pit right now? God, why is this going on right now? Why are you doing this? And we see this thing, and, and we'll say this a few times today, but where you, where you sit determines what you see. And what you see determines what you do. Uh, a lot of you guys like to know, when I lived here, I, I love to, to hunt. And when you're deer hunting, you can either sit on the ground you can sit up in a tree, 25 feet in the air. She hates it when I do that. You sit on the ground and you can't, you can't see a lot. If I come down here, I can't see as many of you. I can't see up there. Because where I'm standing, where I'm sitting, determines what I see. And what I see determines what I do. And so if you're out in the field, a deer very well could run by and you'd never see it. But if I go up here, now I can see and so a lot of times in life, we're down here, and we don't see what God's doing. We don't see what God's seeing. We don't, we don't do, we don't know what's going on because we're not God. We don't know what's going on, and, and, it's, and it's very difficult in these times because we can't see. Uh, you know, it, it's very difficult to move forward when you don't know where you're going. One of the worst things that I ever endured was this game, this trust fall game, you know, where you fall back and you had to do that. That's horrible. That's, that's, that's horrible. Why? Because you don't know what's going to happen. You're putting all your faith into people that you can't see. You're falling backwards. And so we see that here that it's very difficult to go through these times, but we praise the Lord in the tough times because of our faith. This is why sometimes people look at us and wonder what's going on in our lives, with our, our circumstances, when we're going to the hospital and we're going and we're doing and we're, we're seeing and they think that we're some kind of crazy, crazy religious fanatic when we're praising Jesus in a season where everything seems to be falling apart. We're praising God whenever our, our world is crashing. That makes no sense to anyone. Kayla and I would walk into the hospital and we, after we had Baker and we'd go in there and be walking through and people say, you guys are always smiling. Yeah. Because you don't know what God's done for me. You think you're in control of this situation, but I know that ultimately God's in control. The doctors think that they've got it all handled and they've got it all figured out. 
Meanwhile, at the beginning of this thing, we were just kind of sitting back, relaxing. They're like, normally people are a lot more nervous and a lot more, you know, upset about this. And I said, you know, there's nothing to be upset. It's out of my hands and it's out of your hands. And when you look at a doctor and tell them that there's nothing you can do, they look at you like you are, you know, you have, you have lost it. What do you mean I can't do anything? And we'd sit down and have these conversations and these things and all of these things that, that go on. And people say, well, you don't, you don't understand what I'm doing because you don't see what I'm seeing. You don't see what I'm seeing because you aren't sitting where I am sitting. See, when I got saved, I saw things and I see things from a different perspective. When the Lord is in your life, you, you don't see things the same way that you used to see things. There's people up there at the hospital that we were at that, you know, I don't know their relationship with the Lord, but just based upon how things were, and you would see that and you would just know and you would hurt for them because the Lord wasn't able to comfort them in this time in their life because they had no relationship with God, right? And so for us, it was, it was very much so that way that, that God, we don't understand what you're doing, but God, we know that you're in control because where you sit determines what you see. And what you see determines what you do. So we learn about Job. We learn about this season. We gain wisdom on how to handle a Job-like season. A season of ambiguity. Where we have to keep advancing without answers. We have to keep moving forward without, without answers. A season where you keep going. When, when you want answers, God refuses to give them. And when you move on, you have to move on without closure when God differentiates between what you think you need and what you actually need. See, when we started this, the beginning of this thing, I wanted answers right now. I wanted, I wanted to be in control, right? You remember this. I wanted, I wanted a heart next day, Amazon shipping. I needed it then. And when they say, we don't know when we're going to go, what do you mean you don't know? What do you mean you don't know when you're going to get one? No, we're going to get a heart now. That's what we're going to do. And we go through this and we see these things. And I wanted answers to everything that happened every minute. I wanted to know what was going on. And maybe I didn't need that right then because God knew more than I knew at that moment. God knew what he was doing and God knew what he was orchestrating in this time. And a lot of times, maybe right now, you're sitting waiting on answers, trying to make th- sense of things that, that don't make sense. You have a lot of sorrow, but it's producing even more strength because we have a great God. So I want to speak to some of you this morning that feels like you're waiting on answers. And you're trying to make sense of things. And maybe... God hasn't given you an answer now because you don't need an answer now. Maybe God wants you to just keep trusting in him. See, if God hasn't given you an answer right now, he is telling you that you don't need one and that you need to move on anyways. That you need to keep trusting anyways. That you need to keep moving forward anyways. That no matter what life throws at you, that no matter what circumstance you're in, that no matter situation you're in, how dark it may be, no matter what it is, to keep trusting and keep moving forward. That's what he tells us to do right here. See, for me, I was... Wanted to be in control. I still am a control freak. I hated getting on an airplane flying up here because my life is no, it is the exact opposite of that song. My life is in that pilot's hands and I don't like that. I don't like it. 
I don't like it. My grandpa used to always joke around and say something about, I'm not afraid if it's my time to go on a plane. I'm just afraid if it's time for the, air, the pilot to go. That's what I'm afraid of. And it's true. It's tough. I hate getting on that. I was on the back of the plane. It's horrible. I, was like, I couldn't stand it. Why? Because I'm not in control anymore. And circumstances and situations in your life when you can't be in control and when things are out of your control that you can't do, it's tough. It's difficult, isn't it? When something breaks on your car, you want to go fix it right now. When the Wi-Fi is down, you got to fix it right now. Things I can control, I want to control it right now. And God, in this season and time in our life, took that away from me. He said, Tyler, you're not in control, big boy. I'm in control. No matter what happens in this circumstance, in this situation that you're in right now, it's not going to change what I'm doing. And it sounds real easy for me to say standing right here right now, but last year, that was a tough lesson to learn. That was a tough lesson to learn. Felt like I was using my control as a crutch. Losing control of my circumstances, losing control of everything that was around me. Maybe today we become dependent on something and God says, in this season, in this time right now, I'm going to take that away from you. Why? Because you need to rely on me. Because you need to trust in me. See, God will pull your crutch to make you realize that he is all we need by putting us in a situation where he's all we've got. See, the principle of this perspective helps us manage wisely so our anxiety doesn't make us act impulsive. Not just on what we feel, but what we do as a result of those feelings. We, anxiety will make you act impulsively. Look over the story of uh, Abraham and Sarah. What, what, what happened? I'll, I'll jump through a little bit, but you know the story. They, they, they acted impulsive on what God had told them to do. Right? Sarah... All of that, I won't mention it all, we'll just get, we'll skip through it, right? They had a kid and didn't wait on God because of their anxiety. And a lot of times our anxiety and our, our circumstances will make us act impulsively. See, they disobeyed God by not waiting on his promise. They took matters into their own hands, right? Isaac represents the fruit of an impulsive activity. The principle here is perspective. What you produce when you get ahead of God. See, God got what he wanted, ultimately out of the situation. It didn't stop God's plan. It just made it more difficult. So a lot of times I see in our life when we go through tough things, we don't stop God's plan. Nothing's going to stop God's plan, but it just makes it more difficult. It just makes it a lot more difficult. That's why finally I remember the time where I just was like, God, whatever, like whatever you're going to do, man, I'm going to be okay with it. I'm going to be okay with it. It took me a while. God, whether he lives or whether you take him, I'm going to be okay. But be okay with it. Because where you sit determines what you see, and what you see determines what you do. And there's times I don't understand what God is doing because I'm not sitting where God is sitting. Maybe God isn't behaving or intervening or, or working in the way that you see fit right now because you're not seeing the same thing that he is seeing. When we look at this scripture, we jump over and we see a few other other examples here in John 11 where Lazarus had died and they told Jesus and Jesus said, it's okay, he's just asleep. No, God, he's, he's dead. He's just sleeping. 
I'll be there when I get there. We see this scripture is very powerful because he says, I'm not rushing. I'm in control. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about this situation because I know it's gonna, I'm in control because they're looking at the same thing, but they're not seeing the same thing. His family didn't see what God was seeing. God knew that he was about to do a miracle. So God could have easily very much been there a couple days, you know, right at time and healed him and it would have been great, right? But the miracle in this is that Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was gone. So much that they said, Lord, you can't go in there. He, he, he's, he's stinking. Bro, he nasty. <laughs> you can't go in there. And God raises him from the dead. You see, last year, maybe in your life and in this, this whole thing, maybe that opportunity didn't happen. Maybe that promotion in your life, you didn't, you didn't get that promotion. Maybe, maybe the, the contract that you were hoping you were going to get didn't happen. Maybe the job you wanted didn't happen because God knew that six months ago that that job was going to phase out six months from now. But we don't see that. Why? Because we're not seeing what God is seeing and we don't sit where God is sitting. We don't understand that. And at that point in time, we could be bummed out that, God, why didn't you do this? And God, why didn't you make this happen? All for the greater. Because where you sit determines what you see. So we're introduced to this story of of Job. And Job had a very detailed character. Job was favored. He, was, he had an incredible character as we look at this scripture. And if anybody should have been able to avoid this season, this season of, of tough times and this season of ambiguity, it was Job. If anyone should be exempt from these circumstances, it should have been Job. That's what this scripture is telling us. But that's not what happens. The Bible says that one day that the angels were sitting around talking to God metaphorically and, or, or physically. And they were all lined up to have conversation with God. And Satan asked God for a, uh, for a chance at, at somebody. And God says, uh, have you considered Job? What, what do you mean, God? Job? There is many other people that he could have chosen other than Job. You do know that. There's many other people that God could have said, how about them? And have you ever been in a circumstance or a situation where you said, God, I don't want this to happen to anybody. But I am sure wondering why you are letting it happen to me. God, I don't think, I don't want, nobody deserves this, God, but I am, I am wondering why you are doing this to me. I had those times. Said, God, Kayla and I, do we deserve this? Did I do something wrong? Did I mess up? God, what happened? Just because my perspective is off. Because the way that what I'm seeing is not what God was seeing. And so we see here in, in, in this scripture with Job that there is no answer why this happened to Job. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. That it rains on the good, that it rains on the bad. That tough times come into everybody's life. It's a powerful picture here. Sometimes the worst stuff happens to the best people. That's tough. God, why are you going to do this in Logan's life right now? Why right now? 
God, we've, been, we've gone through 2020. It's, we've been good and the church is growing and this is happening and we're doing this. And why are you going to take my focus off of this right now? Do you ever question, God, why things happen to you instead of other, other people? Job chapter 1 verse 6 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence thou comest thou? And Satan answered, Lord, and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down it. Basically saying, I've been everywhere just trying to find somebody's life to mess up. I was over in Groveport, Canal Winchester, Hilliard, Grove City, Pickerington, Reynoldsburg, Lancaster. Just trying to find somebody's life to mess up. And we see here that, that he's saying that in this scripture. You jump down and the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and flees evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not put a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? That thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Basically saying, God, you put a hedge on him. You put a, you put a, a hedge of protection around him. What does that say? That means that Satan tried to previously get to Job. How did he know that? How did he know there was a hedge around him? Because he had tried to get to him. I'm thankful for, for hedges in our life that, that God stops things that we don't always know about. God, God put, takes things out of our life that we don't always know about. And I'm thankful for those hedges. Sometimes we focus on the things that happen to us instead of realizing that every day there are things that didn't because of hedges that we don't see with God's hand on our life. Satan will not try to only get to you, but to everyone in your house. Some people in your house right now are being blessed by a hedge because of your faith and your commitment to God in a tough time. Because of your faith and trust in the Lord. They're benefiting from hedges that protect you even if they don't believe in God. Because of our commitment. Because when times get tough, we still trust in God. We still believe in every single word that he says is true. So the Bible says Satan leaves the presence of God and begins to engage in orchestrating people to do some interesting things in his life. Go to Job 1.13 with me. Bump over. It says, There was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine, their eldest brothers in the house, and there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. They have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and only I am escaped to tell thee. Now listen, when we go into this scripture and we see this, this all happens fast, right? This is like saying your house blew up, your cars got stolen, uh, your bank accounts have been emptied, uh, you know, your dog ran away. All of it, all into one, happens in Job's life. His, his, his assets have been taken, we see later that a windstorm comes in, knocks a house down. All of his children are gone. Everything. He lost everything. How many of you are making it through that? Your kids gone, you're going to make it through? Your house gone, you're going to make it through? Everything you own, everything that you've got, gone. Never happening, never coming back. 
We see that Satan takes all that from him, but in the middle of it all, Job did not charge God with any wrongdoing. See, this is the part where I get a little ticked off at Job. (laughs) What do you mean, Job? You crazy, man. How do you not get mad? How do you not lose your mind? We see here Job chapter 2, Satan comes back, wants another round. Takes his kids, takes his stuff, but he wants more access. Satan says, if I take his stuff, he will curse you, and I will break him. You see here, this is what's really important. This is what I want you to get. See, Satan wasn't after his stuff. He wasn't after his stuff. He was after his commitment. And if Satan knows that he can break your commitment, he got you. He knows that if he can break your commitment and your trust in knowing that God is good and that God is great every single day, he knows if he can break that commitment, he's got you. And so here he gets, in this part of scripture, Satan is super frustrated because he couldn't get the one thing he was after. And the enemy's gonna keep coming after you and after you and after you. But it's in this point in time where we keep our Job-like resolve. Though he slay me, I will trust in him. Though he takes I will trust in him. So you see, right now where both of y'all are at, God knows he's not going to take your commitment. Satan knows that if he can get the commitment, he can make this whole place crumble. You see that? He said, if I can just, if I can break someone's commitment, Let them know that God isn't good and that if God really loved me, he wouldn't be putting me in this. God really cared for me. He wouldn't be doing this to me. But if you flip that perspective around, you think maybe God does love me. Maybe God is doing this to me for this time in my life so that I can be a blessing to other people. So that other people can see that my commitment in the Lord has not changed. That my commitment in God has not gone anywhere. That though times may be tough, I'm still right here. Say, Satan says, I got all this stuff. Let me have access to him. So Job has personal sickness and suffering. He's diminished physically. He's diminished financially. Now as his wife comes to him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just curse God and die? See, his quality of life is taken. Can you imagine what might be going through his mind at this time? The stress, the pressure, all these things and Part of me doesn't like want to, you know, that's obviously tough that his wife said that, but part of me doesn't want to just get rid of her, right? Because stress and pressure will make you say things that you don't mean to people that you really love. In Job 2 chapter, or Job chapter 2 verse 11, now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came, every one of him in his own place. So here we see that Job's friends come to him. And a lot of times these, in these seasons of ambiguity, we don't, we don't need like Christian cliches, right? God's got this. I know he does. God's going to come through. I know he will. In times like this, in this season where there's trauma and there's pain, you don't always need words. You give the gift of your presence. So I know I was texting you guys and Matt asked me to come up here 
I was like, maybe if I just, nothing special about me, but maybe if I just was here, I just want to be here for you. Because I can say everything under the sun. But the presence, the Holy Spirit we know is our comforter. We know that he is with us. These situations don't always require words. We just need the presence and the Holy Spirit of God. I'm going to close up here. Job chapter 4, all the way through chapter 38, God says nothing. Right? Job's just going through this scripture. God says nothing all the way through. There's a lot of scripture in there. I've read it. It's a lot. And Job questions God. And I love that Job is questioning God here because you can't hide your real thoughts from a God that already knows them. Right? You can't, you can't hide anything from the God that knows everything about you, right? There are times that we deny what we feel, but we can admit and question God shows a healthy relationship with him. I ask God questions all the time. Be driving in the car to the hospital. God, I hate this. Why are you doing this to me? I hate this. I don't want to be up here. Why right now? What did I do to deserve this, God? And we see here that, again, just because it doesn't make sense to me, doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. Jump over to Job chapter 38, 3 through 7. We see that God speaks to Job here. The Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind and said, Who is that that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. God has questions for Job. God says, I'm going to question you now, Job. You ready, boy? You ready, big fella? Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation, Job? Where were you? Where were, where were you when creation itself I made? Where were you when I put the sun close enough to the earth not to consume you, but to give you enough heat. Not in Columbus, Ohio. (laughs) Come down to Florida. July. (laughs) God puts the right, right amount of oxygen in the air so that we can breathe. God makes the clouds with water, with rain, to grow what we need to then evaporate and do it all over again. Who marked off its dimensions, Job? See, God is trying to give information. When God asks questions, he's not trying to see something. He's trying to get us to see that he is the ultimate expression of life. That he created it, and he can take it away. Just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. My ways transcend your reasoning. My thoughts are higher my ways are more. And that's hard. You guys have heard that. We read that scripture all the time. My plans are not your plans, Lord. I know this, I know this. I said it a million times. I've heard it, I've heard it, I've heard it, I've heard it. 
But until you're in a situation where you, where you need that, it means more. It means more when you're in a time of, of, of ambiguity in your life. And the heat of this thing Baker had been through, we were in the hospital for 222 days. And uh, Baker had so many things, oh my word, uh, heart cats and infections and surgeries and putting in the machine that, that kept him alive for seven months and infection in the intestines and surgeries and so many things. And it was bad. It was tough. And I would say every time, like, God, this is the worst that my life has ever been. Right now. This is the worst. I can't think of it being any worse. I said, God, why are you, why are you doing this to me? God, things have never been worse, but spiritually, Tyler, you've never been better. <laughs> Remember? God, I've never been in this much pain. Tyler, you've never been in this much prayer, bud. And I just didn't like those answers back from God. <laughs> I didn't like it. In the midst of uncertainty, God asked Job a question. He didn't give him assurance about it. He gave him assurance about him. <laughs> as long as we're certain about God, we don't have to be certain about the it. Whatever's in your life right now, you may be on the verge of losing a job, a loved one, whatever the situation is in your life. It's not bigger than God. I've lived it. I've been through it. A lot of times I'm trying to find all these things and do all these things. And God, this circumstance is way too big. Maybe God had me go through what we needed to go through so that I could be here today telling you that you can get through it. Even though our story didn't turn out the way we wanted, I don't see what God sees. I don't know what God knows, but I, what I do know is that God's promises were never more true in my life. That through it all, God was constant. And maybe you here are here right now and you don't know God. And you don't know this peace. Can I tell you today that right now in this place, you can know that? Tyler, I don't understand all you're talking about. God is good. And God is faithful. And God will come through. You see, we are more than conquerors in Christ. The Bible says that no weapon shall prosper. That he will restore the years that the enemy stole. Walk through this with the certainty of God. Job, I know what you want, but right now you just need to be certain about me. See, we're in an age of uncertainty. Last year was a tough year. But we've got two options. To focus on the uncertainty of it or the certainty of God. So God says to Job, instead of altering all your situations, I'm just going to give you grace to endure it. I'm going to give you grace to get through it. And Job replied in, this, in Job 41, and, and we're done. 
I know you can do all things. See, we get surprised by life, but God does not. And this may feel like denial right now, but it's not. In verse 5, chapter 39, Job says, Surely I spoke of things I didn't understand, of things that I'd never seen. And we get to that end part, and he says, I knew about you, God. I knew about your grace. I knew about your mercy. But now, my eyes have seen. Baker's last day. Was a Sunday. And uh, doctors came in and he had a heart transplant two weeks before that and it didn't go good. And uh, it was tough. Telling your son bye. I sat in the corner of his room and I had never felt the peace and love of God ever like that in my life. It literally felt like somebody gave me a hug. It was just holding me. And Kayla and I used to play songs, like she said earlier, in his room, and we'd sing and we'd hold his hand. And I wanted nothing more than to bring him here today. And God had different plans. And although that it's hard, I'm still standing. And although it was difficult, God's still good. And tough times may come into your life. And things may happen and things may go on. And I'm standing here to tell you right now that God is good. God is for you. God loves you. See, worship is not therapy, but it's therapeutic. One of my uh, song that came out uh, a few months ago, it's called Reasons to Praise. And uh, it says, when I hit a wall, you just walk through it. When I face a mountain, you are the maker, so it's got to move. When I'm out of faith, you are still faithful. When I'm at my worst, you are still good. And all of my questions, you are the answer. It all points to you. You see, the end of this story, Job's life was, God gave him back more than he could ever want. Now, I don't want like six more kids. Sorry. (laughs) I can't do it. But God is good, and God is for you, and God is faithful. May his favor 
be upon you. All around you. Beside you. Behind you. The song says, in your weeping, in your rejoicing, he is for you. He is for you. So I came all the way from Florida today, yesterday, Friday, to tell you that God loves you, that God, that God cares for you. And even if a circumstance or a situation doesn't turn out the way that you think it ought to be, that I will guarantee you that God's grace will sustain you, that God will always be in control. There's times where we think God's not got this. But can I tell you that there's nothing that catches him off guard. There's nothing that catches him by surprise. For the last six months, Kayla and I have lived a, a different life and um, people message us and say things and encourage us and all these things. I told her, I said, when we started this thing, I just want God to use me. Whatever that means, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to mean, but I'm never going to turn down an opportunity. And I just want to give you a chance this morning to say, Tyler, I don't know this God that you talk about. I don't know this God that you speak of, but I want to. I want to know. Let me tell you something. You can do that right here. There's no magic words. There's no, no, no special thing to say. You say, I'm going through a circumstance or a situation in my life right now that I don't see an end out of it, God, and I need you, and I want to know of this God. I'd beg you, I'd plead with you as best as I know how to do that today before you leave. See, God knows what, what you need each and every day. God knows what you're going through. God knows everything that you are in question of. That maybe you're in a tough time right now and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to go. Can I tell you to stay committed? Can I encourage you to keep trusting God? Whether it turns out the way that you want it to or not, know that God is still good, that God still loves you, that God still cares for you. Dear Lord, I come to you this morning the best I know how to thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross for our sins. Your one and only son. See, God, I know what it's like to lose a son. It's tough. But you loved us so much that you gave him to us. And so, God, we sing about that today. God, we praise your marvelous and glorious name today we love you Lord we thank you for this day 
Lord, I pray today that if someone is here that doesn't know you, that before this day is over, Lord, that they would pray and they would ask you to come into their lives, to intervene in their situation, Lord, so that they can give you honor and glory. And whatever it may be, God, we know you're good. We know you're gracious. In your precious and holy name.